Welcome to the VO School podcast. Each episode is devoted to a different facet of the voiceover industry, building your knowledge towards a comprehensive understanding of the art, craft, and business of voiceover. We are joined by some of the industry's biggest and most successful players who share their journey and the secrets to their success. Hello, hello. Welcome to the VO School podcast. This is episode two of The Run, and today we're talking about studio connectivity. Now, what is that? Well, you'll find out soon enough, but it's basically connecting your studio to the outside world and how one does that in 2018. Uh, We're covering a little bit of the history of that technology, plus all the options that are available today, or at least the most popular ones, and that's going to be a lot of fun and hopefully very illuminating. Now, as per usual, if you'd like to find out more about the podcast, if you'd like to connect with us on social media, the easiest way to do that is to go to our website, which is voschoolpodcast.com, or just search VO School Podcast on the various platforms. We're pretty much on everything, um, and you should see it. So next week, we will be doing our Zoom discussion on this week's subject, And that was a lot of fun last week. In the previous episode, we talked about video games. So last week, we did our Zoom chat, and Amelia from the episode joined us, along with Brad Venable, who's a prolific video game actor. And we had a really great chat about everything to do with video games and how one gets into that world and what is involved in the process. And that was a really great chat. So if you'd like to join the next one and subsequent ones after that, just go to our Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash voschool. So we're alternating between podcast episode, and then the next week is going to be that subject's Zoom session, and then back to the episode again, and then so on and so forth. I think that makes sense. Okay, so that's, that's enough of my blabbing on. Just a quick note that this was actually the first interview that I recorded for this run, so... Uh, If I'm a little uh, disjointed at the beginning, (laughs) that's why. But other than that, we are here this week to talk to Tim Friedlander and Kevin Leach. Um, I tell you a little bit about what they do at the start of the interview, so no need to dwell on that now. So we'll have a couple of quick ads and then straight into the interview. The National Zoo. (laughs) Because sometimes you just need to stroke a llama. Instagram. Download it and start embarrassing your teenagers today. Resolve spot and stain. Because the dog's gonna drag his butt on the carpet. He just is. Engage the droid army with this Lego Star Wars Republic fighter tank. Hi, it's J. Michael Collins. And these are just a few examples of the first-class demos my team and I are producing. If you'd like to have something similar, visit jmcvoiceover.com and click on the Demo Production tab to find out more. Connect your studio to the world with IPDTL. IPDTL is a cost-effective alternative to ISDN without the need for hardware or line rental. Connect, mix, and record up to four locations at the same time, including phone patch, right from your computer. You don't need additional software as IPDTL runs in your browser, and you can even get your own ISDN number. Try a day pass for just $15, or subscribe monthly or yearly. So, for directed sessions, interviews, and of course, podcasts, choose IPDTL. I believe that there is nothing more important for an actor than courage. Mm. You have to be 
fearless. In the Envelope is an awards interview podcast from Backstage. Our work as actors on a personal level is to continue to drop the armor and just hit me. I love doing this. This feels very much like, um, you know, a home for me in this work. And I knew the first day of the first class, I'm going to be doing this. I just knew. We ask Oscar, Emmy, and Tony-nominated stars about their journeys and advice for aspiring actors at every level. For me, it is about following the fear, knowing it's there, not feeling like you have to be without fear knowing that it's always there, but being fearless in the face of it. And then I saw I saw Robert De Niro do it. And I was like, he does it too! Oh my God! <laughs> it's the humming thing! I always say that to be an actor is to accept that you are capable of anything, good or bad. You have to acknowledge that possibility in yourself. You've got to develop a very thick skin. If you don't have the drive, then the rejection will destroy That's what society is. That's what makes us people, is sharing ourselves with one another and, and receiving other people. There are people, certainly, who go into this to in the hopes of becoming a big star. And that never drove me. And he said, this is going to be your part, Janny. Mm. This is yours. And I was like, he said, you get to be this woman who wears a fur coat and has a bird on your shoulder. And I was like, oh my God, she sounds like a hot mess. <laughs> in the Envelope is available wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so today, I haven't done this for a while, so I'm going to be a bit rusty. I know. I know it already. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's today, been a little while, hasn't it? It has. Yes, I've taken a bit yeah. of a break. Um, <laughs> I am joined by Kevin Leach from Inquality, makers of IPDTL, amongst other things, and Tim Friedlander from Soundbox LA. So welcome to you both. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hello. All right. So today we're talking about a subject that could get a little geeky. Um, it is studio <laughs> connectivity. Now... What is that? That is you as a voice talent connecting your studio at home to the big, bad, wide world. And there's a number of ways that we can do that. And we're going to talk to uh, two people who know a lot about it. Kevin, obviously, you have your own product. And Tim, I know you use all of them. So uh, this should be a good discussion. So before we get into the nitty gritty, Kevin, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got started into this world? Yeah, I was a uh, soundboard operator for, well, uh, BBC Radio mostly, uh, BBC Network News uh, Radio. Uh, so I sat in the studio moving faders back and forwards, and mm. we uh, a, lot of, a lot of our job was uh, trying to get people sounding reasonable on air. Yeah. And a lot of the time we're using scratchy old phones and things and Skype and stuff, and it was pretty damn frustrating. And there weren't many alternatives uh, or solutions to that so uh, i looked around to try and find uh some better options uh couldn't find any so i well with my business partner thomas we built it that's great so when was this what sort of period of time are we talking we're coming up to the fifth anniversary of ipdtl which is going to be in october this year 2018 um so so yeah we're i guess the idea came around pretty much five years ago right so was the bbc using skype is that how they were connecting Amongst many other options, yeah, yeah. the BBC was and is uh, using Skype and FaceTime and Lucy Live and Comrex and good phones and bad phones and <laughs> ISDN and uh, two Duct bits tape. of string and G seven two two and uh, you know and higher higher quality uh, ISDN connections. Yeah, absolutely. If if it was um, if it was an option, then they would try it. Right. 
Yeah, I suppose it's dependent on the person who's on the other end of the line, what they can handle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And in a, in a news environment, it was always that we'll take whatever we can get, you know, yeah. to get the right person on air from the right place with the right news story, then you'd, you'd just take whatever you could. And yeah. so quality was always a bit of an afterthought, sadly. Right. Okay, that's fascinating. All right, Tim, so we know a little bit about how you got started in voiceover because you've been on the podcast before, but I'd like to know about how you started Soundbox LA and why you started it. Um, that is a good question. It kind of it kind of started itself. It's um hmm. the studio is um in the, in the back of my house. So I've had the place. Um I've been in my place for about 16 years and the back of my house is a um kind of a four-car garage. And it was turned into an art studio and a couple of musicians, um, producers from Canada actually moved down and rented the place out and started to turn it into a studio. Hmm. And so they had built the booth and they had, they had kind of started to, to, to turn it into, um, a place to record in place of having to go to, um, record an album and rent a studio out in LA. So the record, the record label in Canada actually gave them money to renovate the place. Oh, cool. They got partway through it and stopped paying, and so they had to leave. And when that happened, I took over the space, um, which was about seven, seven or eight years ago, and um, kind of started turning it into a music studio and kind of finished where they left off in it. And I did a bunch of session work here. I'm a, I'm a guitar player and, and musician and composer, and so I did a lot of session work here for a long time, um, recorded a couple albums with some bands, and in about, uh, I guess, fall of 2014, decided to go into voiceover full-time and just ha had a space. And I had this place where I was just doing music, and I'm like, well, you know, why don't I invite some friends over who do voiceover as well, and maybe we'll get together and start doing some workout groups, and we'll start maybe just seeing what we have. And as more people came over, people were like, oh, hey, you know, I need a place to record. I'm like, well... I guess you could come here and, mm. you know, here and record. We were already doing workout groups. I kind of do my stuff here. So it kind of grew out of a need of the LA voiceover community for what they needed. So it's kind of, I kind of went backwards and then I didn't put together a studio and then try and get people to show up. I had people who were here who needed, who needed something. And so That's I kind great. of built the studio around what, what was needed in the, in the area. Yeah. It's always nice to work that way. It's yeah, it's been it's been interesting. So I, I kind of have come to a lot of this out of out of um, learning about something as people needed it before I even knew it exist. You know, before I knew it existed, somebody would say I needed I need to do this. I'm like, well, let's figure out how do we how do we do that. Yeah. And is there a way to do that? Yeah. yeah I mean, my journey is similar, I, I guess, because um, I, I never said I'm going to build something um, which services the voice talent industry. Mm. Uh, I, right, right. <laughs> I, I built something that I thought was going to serve the radio industry. And it, it, turned, out, it turned out the uh, the voiceover industry uh, loved it. And, and therefore, we kind of changed our marketing <laughs> since then. So. Right. Yeah. yeah. So that's your focus now, Kevin? Well, we uh, we still service broadcasters and broadcast contributors and uh, podcasters, but um, I, I think our most loyal customer base are, are voiceovers. Right, and that's a growing market yeah. as well, right? It looks that way, yeah. The, the industry isn't getting any smaller right now, is it? Yeah, absolutely. And just before we get back onto the other subject, Tim, you, you had a renovation oh. recently, right? A pretty uh, speedy one, too. <laughs> yeah, we did a did a complete renovation of the uh, of the booth in six days, um, wow. rebuilt and um, yeah, renovated. Basically, built another another room inside a room, um, and again, it, that was out of necessity. We had um, 
we just did a project. Um, it was a six-week video game project for a game called Pillars of Eternity 2. And a studio actually in the UK, a production company in the UK, booked out our place for six weeks. Oh, cool. And we were going to be doing, you know, six to eight to ten hours a day every day of the week. So I had to make sure that it, that we could work through being in the middle, right in the middle of Hollywood, had to make sure we could work through all the extraneous sounds because we can't stop. You know, I can't say, yeah, we can run it out for six weeks, but, you know, every every third Tuesday we have to stop for the long guys for a right. couple hours while they're doing this. So, um, you know, it, it was a pretty substantial renovation in an extremely short period of time, um, and it came out, you know, came out sounding great, and I'm really, really, really happy with it. Yeah, oh, that's great. And a little plug for a side podcast that I do. I think that was, wasn't our Willem Dafoe interview, interview one of the first sessions in your new studio, it in your new space? It was, yeah, it was the first, it was the first outside session that wasn't, um, that wasn't, you know, just like me or one of my friends in here. Yeah, doing, yeah. So that's we had cool. Will, yeah, Willem Dafoe was here. Yeah, it was, <laughs> and he sounded great in this room. It was amazing. Yeah, he's got a really yeah. unique voice. He's a really yeah. interesting character. Or he, he made the room sound great. How's right. That? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a good test. Okay, so let's yeah. get to the subject that we're talking about today. So I'd like to define things a little bit. Um, why do voice talents need to know about this technology? It's obviously becoming ever more important. So... Kevin, what is your experience with working with voice talent and how is this becoming a crucial part of their business? There seems to be mostly two camps. There's the uh, voiceover who uh, has always had a home studio and um, is, is across the technology and is generally technically savvy and uh, and kind of, you know, they get it. And, and then there's the other camp of uh, voiceovers who maybe, maybe they're ex-actors and they've been more used to going into engineered studios and yeah. uh, and having somebody do everything for them um, and make them cups of tea and, uh, and the rest of it. <laughs> and then... and, and uh, who are often overwhelmed by uh, the technology um, involved in setting up and running your own home studio. Um, and then, of course, there's the kind of everybody in between. Um, and, I mean, there are different types of people, aren't there, with uh, with different with skills in different areas, and um, we're very happy to try and help all. Um, it's difficult, difficult, of course, as a small company, which we are, to support... Uh, to, to provide kind of detailed um, technical support and hand-holding every step of the way. Um, yeah. I mean, I do I do see IPDTL as a self-service product. You go online, mm. you buy it, you um, and you set it up and use it yourself. Um, and I've tried to encourage uh, you know, kind of community-led support so that we've got a Facebook users group and stuff so people can um, uh, help each other on there and share best practice and, uh, and share their experiences. And that works quite well for the most part um because as much as i like talking to people and uh, and dealing with people one and one on one realistically it's not practical to offer that kind of support for everybody so uh, yeah. and if if i do we never actually develop the product you know we don't have time to actually put any development effort in um so it's a bit of a balance uh but it, it seems to work quite well yeah and tim you're a voice talent as well as the studio owner. So how mm -hmm. has your requirement for this technology evolved over the years of doing this? Um, it's definitely, well, it's, it's definitely changed in the last, in the last few years. Mm. Um, I think, you know, I think, uh, Kevin, you're right. And, you know, there is definitely this kind of this, this split between the two camps. 
I'm finding that most anybody who started, who came into voiceover eight to 10 years ago, within probably within the last eight to 10 years, comes in with the with the knowledge that they need to know how to run their own home studio and they're, they're familiar with this and people who have been in voiceover and are making that transition from having been a voice talent where they're going into studios and now having to have a home studio are com- a lot of times just completely overwhelmed with the concept of what what it is they're trying to do mm. um, so those who are coming in recently come in with the with a lot of this knowledge before they even get started that yeah I need to have a home studio I need to be able to re- connect remotely um, and, you know, I think it, it, part of it depends on what, you know, what the client needs. So we've, you know, I started with Skype and then, and then I would add, I added Source Connect and then IPDTL and then full on ISDN and then um, Bidalgo and other, other um, connections because not everybody, you know, I, I think at least on my end as a studio, I need to have everything because whoever I'm connecting to may have one of those. Right. Uh-huh. Um so even though you got all those modern um, IP uh, technologies first, you then decided it, for you it was still beneficial to get an ISDN line installed. It, it was, and actually, it was, it was. It's actually because of my first experience with IPDTL and Kevin. You actually helped me out about three years ago, uh-huh. and we actually had. Um, I was connecting with a studio. I guess three years ago, at the time, wanted to connect to three different no they they had three spids and at the time tim define what a spid is uh spid is um the 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 actual hard hard line telephone lines that um the isdm boxes connect with it's so like a telephone number right telephone number exactly yeah, yeah. it's a telephone okay. number there's an a and a b um, and I honestly don't know exactly. I think one's a send and one's a receive. I don't honestly know um, uh, the no, actual they, technicality you, of that. You, what, what you do is you combine two. Oh, two there digi- we go. See. You combine two digital phone lines to give you a higher quality, higher bandwidth. Um, so it's not that one's sending and one's receiving. It's that you're sending and receiving across both. And because there are two of them, uh, your quality is improved. Mm. And that's why you run the company, and I just use it. <laughs> and then, what were they sixty-four k each? So you end up with, you know, semi-decent one to eight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're getting technical already. I was hoping to save yeah. this fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, you, you've got all all of them there, Tim. Because a lot of um, yeah. clients, even at the audition stage, will specify that they may require a ISDN or a IPDTL Correct, or Source Connect. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is kind of where I was going with this is why would a client request certain connectivity in the at the audition stage? What is in it? How does it work from their perspective, would you say, Tim? Um, I think a lot of times what they do is at least what I've seen is that they'll they'll request I they'll request ISDN without really knowing what what it is they're requesting. Yeah. Um, they just been told that I have to, I have to do, you know, I have to talk to my client on the other end, therefore I, or the talent on the other end, therefore I need to have ISDN. Um, you know, I think that the need now is that there's so, there's so few chances to go in and work with anybody face to face that, uh, you know, a lot of self-direction, a lot of home directed sessions just are, are missing the mark. And if you can get a chance to work with your talent over any kind of directed session, you can do a lot in you know, a 10 minute directed session and get what you need versus listening to, you know, 50, 60, 100 auditions that were self-directed and are missing the mark because you can't actually talk to them and tell them what you need. Right. Um, 
And historically, I mean, let's let's jump back a bit. We've we've kind of gone ahead and talked about all these different acronyms and <laughs> things, and we haven't explained yeah. it. Um, so, Kevin, why don't you tell us a little about um, what ISDN is and how VOIP is sort of the young pretender to this ISDN legacy system? Yeah. So, ISDN, let's say, a 20, 30 years ago, was developed as a means to connect between two locations, two studios. Uh, so, it was used by uh, radio hosts to do remote broadcasts, for instance, and by uh, voice talent to connect to studios uh, because it was pre internet. So, there was no option, or, you know, if there was internet, uh, it wasn't, we didn't have the bandwidth. bandwidth with which we have now to be able to do this kind of thing. So it's a digital phone line. A company like AT&T would have to come out and install a physical line in your home or office. You know, it's like an extra phone line, but a digital one in your office. And then on top of that, you'd need to buy very specific hardware to, to plug into that uh, that line. Um, common uh, manufacturers are uh, Telos. Um, uh, in fact, well, they're, they're the main player, really. You also get Primas yeah. and uh, pronto codecs but yeah tell us uh, uh, the big ones certainly in in north america and they make this uh, hardware and sell it for about five thousand dollars for one uh, and uh, and then you pay the rental on the line and uh, and then once you've once you've got that you're kind of a gold-plated or, or you know back then you were kind of a gold-plated vo because uh, you had this uh, such expensive complex um technology that it kind of raised you uh, uh, above uh, above the rest of the vo's out there but that's that, that's yeah. kind of changing now yeah and those why don't you explain a little bit i mean isdn is expensive obviously to set up but you also have line rental and you're at the sort of behest of the telephone companies charging you whatever they feel like i know in this country the line rental for for ISDN and maintain, maintaining this technology can range anything from seventy dollars a month to like a thousand, depending on where you live. So, <laughs> and yeah. I've paid both of those. Oh <laughs> goodness me! It's not. It's not nice. Uh, yeah, you know, it's it's a lot of money, but it, you know, it's. I mean, it's it's business justification, isn't it? If you've got mm -hmm. the work coming it in, is, if you're yeah. a studio uh, or a VO who's working hard and you're using it many times uh, a week or day, and those jobs are more than paying for it, then of course it makes sense to have it. But yeah. uh, for a lot of people, that just isn't the case uh, anymore. And yeah. and uh, yeah, companies such as uh, AT and T uh, seem to be constantly. Uh, I mean, there are loads of stories around about them either pushing the price up um, and or just turning it off, you know, especially in smaller uh, towns and, and cities where yeah. the um, uh, the hard, because you they also need specific ISDN equipment in the local office or, you know, the local mm -hmm. phone exchange. Mm -hmm. um, and when that breaks or the engineer retires or dies, it's easier <laughs> for the, for the uh, telecoms <laughs> provider just to say, well, you know what, we won't offer that anymore. And, and there are stories where they've yeah. just turned it off. Tim, yeah. you've had instances of that. Are you trying to <laughs> communicate with people who don't oh, know what it is? <laughs> I have had that, yeah. That, that, that was my issue, uh, I guess, about a year ago, is that I, I have, I have AT&T. They're the only provider in, in Los Angeles, um, unless, you go to the, unless you go west and into Santa Monica, and then I believe Frontier is the service provider over there. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I have residential, um, residential ISDN because I'm, at, I'm actually in a, in a, in a residence, so they, um, 
they gave residential ISDN, which was 60 bucks a month. And then one day I, they just decided they were going to shut it off without any, any notification. And Ugh. when I tried to get it turned back on, they said, oh, well, we don't even have that department anymore. We don't even know what ISDN. So it took me about two weeks to even reach somebody at AT&T who knew what ISDN <laughs> was. Wow. Um, and then when they, when they went to turn it back on, they said, oh, yeah, you know, but now, now it's $600 a month. Right, um, because suddenly because you're a business customer, right? Because well, yeah, and because residential no longer residential yeah. department no longer uh-huh. exists, and so now I'm business. Clever. And then it was six hundred bucks a month, and then it was a thousand dollars a month, and wow. then it was then it was just not able to reach anybody, and so at that you know at that point it became, um, you know at that point what, what's the point of having it? I, I I was the point where I had gone all the way up to the president's office at AT and T, and I had. The you know I was I was had become best friends with the actual switch operator in Los Angeles, <laughs> and he's like you know all I have to do is walk across the room and flip the switch and turn your ISDN back on, but I can't get anybody to give me the authorization because right. nobody oh. knows what it is. Um, yeah. But because you, you're looking at you know an actual hardware, you know, um, and you do you have to have copper lines, you have to have actual phone lines running to your to your place. So you know, part of the issue now is that there's so many. Um, new new residents and locations that are built that just don't even have the the hardware, the infrastructure to even if you even wanted to have ISDN, you can't get it because it just does not physically is not physically possible to make that connection. Right. Which which I I guess uh, Jamie leads leads us on to the other part of your question, which was which I never really answered, which uh, was um, how you know how does it compare to voice VoIP, which is uh, voice mm-hmm. over IP V O I P, and um, it kind of is what it says. If we break it down, um, voice over IP, well, voice is voice, uh, and it goes across IP, which is the internet protocol, which is the very thing that runs the internet. All of your uh, internet connectivity happens using IP, the internet protocol. So, so, and and that's if you break down IPDTL, IP mm. down the line. Um, it it makes a little bit it makes a little bit more yeah. sense when you when right you break clever. it down that way. Uh, but IP is just really anything across the internet, and therefore voice over IP is uh, the uh, process of or the technology to send and receive your voice or a voice or some audio uh, across the internet. Yeah. So Skype is a good example. Most um, phones in offices and things now are, are VoIP based. They're not they're not using old. Mm-hmm analog phones anymore they've got uh, voip switchboards or, or pbx's and and it's the way things are going you know most mm. telephony now is instead of sending an analog signal you know a, a bit of voltage down uh, a bit of copper wire instead you're sending uh, digital uh, noughts and ones and they're being uh, translated into audio uh, so that so that when i talk and, and this is exactly what's happening now i'm talking mm. into my microphone yeah. here it's being converted into a digital signal it's being being sent in a convoluted route across the internet, uh, including uh, underwater cables across the Atlantic, and then it's landing at your computer and being converted back into analog audio into your headphones and ears. It's remarkable. I mean, we're in yeah. Manchester, Philadelphia, and LA, and we could be in neighboring rooms right now. It's you, you would never yeah, tell yeah. the difference. It's, it's absolutely Sounds incredible. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Tim, um, from a business perspective, you obviously mm-hmm. do you still have ISDN or do you have you given up on that? No, that's been, been about a year. I have, I still have my two codec right. boxes um, that I have. So, how does it compare then f- from a practical standpoint? Uh, there's uh, like, there's no difference. IPDTL, yeah. I mean, you know, is, is great. I have, 
you know, I have, um, I, the new service that the Kevin has, um, the camp with, I, I, um, paid for my own spid. So I have, if I need to dial in or dial out to an ISDN box, I can do that now. Um, and there's just no, there's no need to be paying for the hard, you know, the hardware ISDN when IPDTL is just as good, um, and comparable. The quality is great. Um, internet, you know, it, it, part of the issue is that then, you know, you're relying on, on internet speed. So for, mm. for me, um, you know, my, the internet speeds in Los Angeles have, have increased dramatically in the last couple of years, which, um, has helped a lot with this, but, you know, even, even that, you know, IPDTL I, I've done, I did a, an hour long IPDTL session, ISDN session using my cell phone as a hotspot. Right. And it was great. Yeah, I mean that's that's brilliant, isn't it? I mean, you we know. don't recommend that as best practice, of course. Yeah. But, no, um, yeah, know, don't 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 say. All right, I don't need a fixed uh, broadband line exactly. anymore. Yep. I can just use my hotspot. But on a good day, <laughs> yep. if, the, if the wind's blowing in the right direction, then then yeah, you yeah. absolutely can do that. Well, um, having that redundancy is important, right? You know, I mean, I I have that here, and I can use my phone as well. But I also yeah. I'm with Xfinity, so you can actually mm. log into any you know every Xfinity hot every xfinity account serves as a hotspot so you can actually find a, a hotspot in your local area and hop onto that if your internet goes down so it's quite yes. handy oh, that's I've, I've done that. That. oh you have yeah, yeah. i've <laughs> sat a... outside people's houses yeah. um, in, a, in a car with a laptop and, and put live guests on bbc national radio programs it's yeah you know, it's uh, it's yeah. amazing what you can do but again it is, not yeah. recommended but yeah i mean you mentioned um redundancy there and i, I do think that's very important in my home office here i have uh, i recently got a second broadband connection installed and sure enough the first one went down for about a week and only came on two days (laughs) ago so if you are serious about your business and uh, being able to always connect and uh, and have some kind of resilience then i would say if you've got the option to buy uh, a a broadband connection from two different providers uh, into your house or studio then um, uh, that's absolutely worth doing so this might be one of the reasons why people cling to isdn a little bit is that it it at least seems extremely stable compared to an internet connection which as everyone who's used an internet connection knows it can be a flaky sometimes yeah, but I mean, yeah. so can ISDN lines. And the thing with ISDN lines is they generally, they either work or they don't. So it's right. like, you know, there's, there's with internet, there tends to be a little bit of, well, a lot of in between. Whereas with the ISDN line, um, it, it's it's one pair of copper, which, um, you know, yeah. on a long mm-hmm. path between you and and the other uh, contributor via lots of um, the infrastructure in, in, the, in, you know, in between. Uh, so there's a lot to go wrong there. And mm. it does, and it, and it does did um but it's it's just different challenges i guess okay so um we've covered isdn and how that compares to voip or voip um now i'd like to talk about the different options within the voip um system or technology mm-hmm. um now of course we love IPDTL. you are on the podcast today and you're a sponsor of the show which i thank you for um but we have to mention the other brands, <laughs> unfortunately. Of course, yeah. <laughs> I, I get the impartial. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, uh, as I imagine Tim will say, um, uh, there's often the question of whether you, requ- you know, which one should I get? People say on, yeah. on the yes. forums and Facebook groups, which one should I get? I can't decide between Source Connect and IPDTL. And the clever people say both. Yeah. Both. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's what you've done, Tim. Both plus Skype plus Bodalgo plus whatever else comes out that I can get, you know, that I can get my hands on. So I have the options. 
I'm um, not, you know, but, I'm not here to say, I'm not here to say don't use Source Connect. I'm here to yeah. say um, yeah. there are v- numerous tools available, you know, make them, <laughs> make the yeah. most of everything that's available out there. Yeah, and yeah. Source Connect is the other big one, isn't it? That's that's fair to mm-hmm. say your direct competitor, um, Kevin. Yeah, or? Uh, yeah. Certainly, in terms of the voiceover world, um, yeah, so Source Connect uh, from Source Elements is uh, is the the closest offering to ours. But there's there are certain technology differences between your system and Source Connect. For one thing, Source Connect has different uh, products, so they have the standalone software situation and the browser based, and yours is a browser based. So, could you? explain the difference between those two yeah um if you use ipdtl then you go to google chrome or our very own web browser which is like a version of google chrome or firefox and you type in a web address and you log in and then you are there using ipdtl you haven't had to download and install anything else uh, mm. which makes it very flexible because you can have a, a, a you can use a day pass or you can have an annual or a monthly subscription um yeah. with source connect you download a bit of software and you install that on your computer and you license the software often using a either a physical or virtual iLock and uh therefore you're you're buying something with that as well as um mm. they do have various kind of subscription services as well i i believe but but ultimately it's the yeah. difference between subscribing to something which you don't physically have and and actually physically downloading and installing a bit of software that runs on your computer and what is the experience like different between the standalone software situation and a browser-based tim um they're they equally have their challenges i think and they equally have their benefits um most of what I, I most everything that I do is either Skype or IPD, IPDTL, um, and I very rarely use Source Connect because you um, Source Connect. You know, if you unless you're doing the Source Connect now, the browser-based version, the other side has to have the Source the Source Connect Source Connect program installed yeah. in order to, to to connect that way. And not everybody else is going to pay for that um, to yeah. have that connected. Um, and it kind of becomes a very kind of becomes more of a closed you know, closed ecosystem. Like, you know, I, I can use IPDTL. I use that for like for my phone patch a lot as well. So I have, yeah. I can call out to landlines, um, which you can't do on, at least in the, in the version of Source Connect that I have, um, which allows me, you know, to connect to different people who don't, who just want to listen in, um, you know, do a do a phone conference or something like that. Um, the, the, the only other, the, the other, the biggest difference I found or the, or the, the advantage I guess that Source Connect has is, is its integration with Pro Tools, and that you can do like a remote, um, an RTC remote transport control. Anybody else with Source Connect can then control my studio. Right. So I've done I've done right. you know sessions with clients in Austria where I just sat back and we did ADR while they ran my entire studio. <laughs> um, That's great. With that, um, but that that literally is, I think in the last four years has happened twice. So right. it's not that's nothing that's you know. And you're a production studio <laughs> so that's yes, the chance yeah, of that happening yeah, for exactly. you is higher than a regular <laughs> yeah. talent yeah correct yeah, yeah i mean yeah. We're, we're very much about interoperability and um exactly we yeah. use the sip standard which is a the, you know there's lots of these annoying acronym acronyms mm-hmm. uh sip <laughs> is the session 
uh, initiation protocol, and we have that built right into IPDTL. So you can uh, use that to make phone calls. You can use it to dial other SIP-enabled devices. If you've heard of Comrex hardware that a lot of radio stations mm-hmm. have, you can connect yeah. to that, or Tyline hardware. You can get SIP apps for your smartphone. You can connect through that way. Um, and we're looking more and more at... Um, taking advantage of that um, that technology and that because it's a standard like phone calls uh, with phone numbers and ISDN calls are a standard uh, we see that as the as the future of um, we don't want to we don't very much don't want a walled garden where you can only connect to other IPDTL users we want to be uh, the uh, the product that connects with everything that is really yeah. beneficial as well because you might have a session where you know you can connect VOIP but a director might want to listen in and they're just on the phone in their car <laughs> so they can just call in and join the session as well and you can mix and match yeah yeah absolutely uh, and with the gold subscription to IPDTL you get an advanced mixer layout on your screen and that allows you to connect between four different locations at once we've got three of us going right now um, but yeah. as the host you could connect to four more so it's actually five um, uh, participants well, and yeah one could be an ISDN line another could be a phone line uh, so somebody could be uh, on your link so connecting to you through their web browser and uh, another person could be on yeah I I don't know, a, a smartphone app, um, you know, third-party smartphone SIP app, or indeed uh, they could be um, uh, on a like a Comrex box, for instance. Right. Let's move on from the more advanced connectivity options that you yeah. have into things that are more um, lo-fi, let's say. Um, so <laughs> right. we're talking about Skype, phone patch, Zoom, those kind of things. Um, so Tim, what's the easiest way for a voice talent to connect via a phone patch, would you say? Um, I mean, the, the easiest way, the one that everybody defaults to is Skype. Right. Um, and you can set that up to, you know, you can, you can, which is what, you know, what I started with. And, you know, you, you can, you can, depending on what service you pay for, you can receive and send phone calls. So you can call the landlines or, you you know, if you just want to do a, a Skype session, then, you, you know, you sign up and have a Skype account and connect a Skype account. Yeah. Um, with those. And that's what everybody starts with. Or not, not everybody starts with, but that's what most people start with because that's one that people know and have used and know how to use. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, from there, like I, I kind of just grew from there. I grew and, you know, went to Source Connect and to IPDTL when I needed ISDN and um, Badalgo, which is another one that, that I've used frequently, um, which is which I use as, a, as a, a, an improved alternative to Skype. Yeah. Um, because, you know, for anybody who's used Skype, um, you know, there's lots of background noise. It's not yeah. a, not always a reliable connection. Um, it's hard to tell, especially on on my end. If I'm you know if I'm engineering on here, I can't tell if I've got noise coming down the line from Skype or if I have noise in the studio or you know where where all that's coming. Like on on right now, the the, the you know this session is so clear that I can tell where if there's any noise coming in my studio because everything else there's no background noise yeah coming through on this, which is great. Um, I'm not sure if that answers your question, but that's... <laughs> no, no, no. That, uh, using uh, Skype as a phone patch, absolutely. Um, yeah. One thing that I often do is just use my phone, regular phone, <laughs> in my pocket well, and plug yeah, my earbuds and actually in. That's... <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And I guess, that, you know, I guess that kind of goes back to knowing what, what the client needs. And you know, like I said earlier, a lot of the clients, when they say they need a remote connection, they, they'll request, I need ISDN, when really all they need is to be able to hear you. Yeah. and direct you 
which you know can be done over you know over earbuds. A lot of people just throw in earbuds and can connect that way. I've done even with even with all the stuff that I have, I've had short sessions where it was just easy for me to just you know throw my grab my phone and and do a session that way because it was just it was quick and easy and I was already up and running and recording and I just grab my phone and you know have somebody direct me over the phone and it's done. Um, right. I guess that the main argument against those methods of phone patch, um, or indeed phone patch in any mm. way, is that uh, yeah. that's great. The client listens to you and directs you, and they're happy with the session. And then they get to the end of the session, and you send them the files. And then, well, exactly. like we just heard, there's a squeaky door, or there's, um, <laughs> right. there's, a, there's a dog barking in the background, or there's a plane yep. going overhead, or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And because of the uh, lack of fidelity on phone calls and, and Skype connectivity, you, you miss all of that nuance and and certainly you know even exactly. you know, lip smacks and things you, you often yeah. don't pick up on those uh, yeah. on uh, on a phone patch uh, as, as you would do on a, a quality connection that's absolutely. right absolutely yeah. i mean a yeah. lot of sessions i'll do uh promos or whatever it is um it's someone based in the office at the production company it's not they're not in a studio right and they've got that little exactly. sort of spider phone thing in the center of the you know the conference room <laughs> right, or whatever yeah. you know that thing mm-hmm. and uh they're listening over the speaker and it's it's terrible quality and they're just listening for the performance but absolutely if you're yeah. if you have more of a critical ear you know using skype or phone is just not going to work um now i have very strong feelings about this next subject and uh, i'm interested to hear (laughs) what you think um specifically tim because you're a voice talent and uh, i'd like to hear what you you think as well kevin um Mm -hmm. and that's playback um so from a talent's perspective do we need to offer playback um in a session so that uh maybe we've done three takes and the client we get to the end of the recording and the client says, oh, can I listen to take one again? I just want to, I just heard something. I'd like to, to listen to it again. Um, is that something you do, Tim? Yeah, it's the bane of my existence <laughs> trying to get, depending on what you're, you know, what what you're using. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, it, it depends on your interface. It defend, depends on, you know, what software. I, I, I run the Apollo, um, one of the Apollo interfaces and the routing capabilities to send audio back out is much different than if you're using a different interface. Yeah. Um, if you're using Skype, it's, you know, like you, you've, it's just, it's pretty much impossible to the point where, at least with, with Skype, a lot of times what I'll do is I'll, I have my headphones on, I'll hold the headphones up to my microphone yeah, and just play back through the headphones. And a lot of, you know, when, if I'm doing like coaching sessions and stuff like that, the person I'm, um, the coach that I'm working with, I can play back from for the coach, and they can hear they can hear it well enough to tell the performance. And that and that becomes the difference between whether you're talking about kind of going back to what we were saying before is that is somebody listening to you to to they're listening to you because they want to be able to direct your performance, or are they listening to you because they need to be able to get a quality recording? And it depends on what again what what does the client need. On the yeah. other end, at least from from the voice talent perspective, if all they need to do is just direct your, you know, if if they know that you have a quality studio and you know yourself that you can engineer a session while you're recording, which is not all, you know, it's it's not it's not extremely easy all the time. If you have, you know, you can't be monitoring your audio, you can't be monitoring if something happens. If you know, fortunately, like you know, when the way I have some mind set up, I can see I can see Pro Tools running. So if something happens to it, it just you know, the computer crashes, something stops, I can see that. But you know that doesn't always happen. You you sometimes you're in a booth without a window, and you realize you hit record, and something your computer crashes in the middle, and you get done with a session that was lasted a half an hour, and you lost the last fifteen minutes of it. 
you know um that's why you may hear a squeaky door in this recording because i have every now and right. again i fly out of my booth and check <laughs> right. the computer <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah yeah you know which is great for those for people who know how to do it it's great and it, it becomes second nature for those who have kind of going back who've started voiceover with that expectation that you need to know how to do you need need to be your engineer you need to be your own producer you need to be your own director hmm. it, it's kind of second nature but not everybody has that ability to do it nor did a lot of people even want to do it yeah not people are like you know what i just want to be a voice talent and i just i don't want to have to deal with all of this stuff that is exactly where i am on the subject um right <laughs> and i'll i'll get to kevin in a second and uh but from my perspective if a client wants me to record from home and they want to listen in and they're directing yeah. me um they're essentially paying me to be a voice talent and my studio is what they're paying for. And I've deliberately not made it particularly easy for me to operate my recording machine while I'm in the booth because I'm in performance gotcha. mode, you know? Right. Um, yeah. And absolutely, if they want to pay for me to go to a studio and they want to have playback and all this kind of stuff, then the engineer's responsibility to look after all that, that's absolutely possible. Um, yeah. But I'm I'm somewhat stubborn about this. <laughs> that I don't want to be thinking about slates and thinking about different takes and, and doing all that kind of stuff while I'm in performance mode. And True. it's never actually been a problem in 10 years doing this. It's never been an issue. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Kevin... Um, what is your experience of dealing with uh, playback situations? Well, it's an extra layer of complication, isn't mm. it? Yeah. And mm -hmm. and I mean, I I mean, I would say that's their job, isn't it? If, right. If, right. If, the <laughs> if, if the client's listening to you and they didn't hear it properly the first time and they want to hear it again, well, that's that's up to them to record it and play it back. You know, yeah. I would say. But yeah. um, <laughs> you know, we live in a complicated world now where um, it's it's not it's not as simple as talent studio you know there are a lot of um, yeah. uh, talents who are doing uh, a, a lot of engineering themselves and want to be able to offer as, as you know as extra kind of gold five-star service they want to be able to offer uh, extra functionality and, and make their clients lives easier so that the, mm. so the client thinks oh god it was great working with 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 that person i'm gonna book yeah. them again they made my life so easy so you know there are various there are different ways to see this yeah in terms of doing it, uh, how you do it technically, unless you are tech savvy and you and you're into that kind of thing and you understand how the audio gets uh, routed or routed in and out of your computer mm. and hardware, then it's not for you. You know, yeah. I, I wouldn't try doing yeah. playback unless you're really uh, across how everything's set up on your computer because it's all everything's possible, yeah. um, but it's. Yeah, don't complicate your life unless you're confident uh, in doing so and you, you think you really need to. And we should probably yeah. uh, make the, the point here that if you're using a IPDTL, Source Connect, ISDN, most of the time the client is recording on their end. You're recording yourself as a backup, of course, but they're recording on their Correct. end. <laughs> so they have yes. the ability to play back. You know, it's simple for them. Mm -hmm. They just stop the recording and zoom back in time and yeah. press play. Um, so if you if you've done the, the hard work of setting up your system to be able to accommodate ISDN, IPDTL, Source Connect, whatever the high quality audio connection VOIP is, um, you've then given them that option to do that. So uh, so yeah, there's that subject. We didn't uh, get too controversial in there, which is good. <laughs> um, so right, that's that's all my questions, and I want to get on some audience questions real quick. Um, 
Okay, well, this has already been answered, but some of these questions uh, will just reiterate some points that we've already made. So Jason Arnold writes, do we need all of these in a home studio or should we be prioritizing one over another? So, yeah, we have already answered that, but Tim, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, that, that, it depends on depends on what level you're working at and depends on, you know, as things, as you need them. I think that, you know, mm. the everything is... At least the you know, IPDTL and Source Connect are so it, it's they're so cost effective these days that if you're doing yeah. enough work that it makes sense to to have just to have that service. But also, it you need to have tested this and used this not the night before your session, not the mm-hmm. half an hour before your session, but when your session comes on, you need to know every single thing. You need to know how to route this. You need to know if something happens. You need to know how how to fix it. And yeah. how to how to do that? So I think it depends on what level you're at. It depends on you know whether if you're in Los Angeles or you're in New York or you're someplace where there's where there's easily accessible studios, and, and you know that you know it, with a half an hour notice you can go book a studio down the street. Then no, you don't need to have every single one of these. But if you're somewhere, right. you know, out in you know if you're somewhere remote, then you I think you should have all of those. You should have whatever option to make it again easier. You know, like Kevin said, make it easier on the client and give them. Make their life easier. And they say, hey, I want to connect. And you say, great, what do you have that you want to connect with? You say, great, I have that too. Let's do it. Yeah, and for and for backup as well. You know, no True, uh, yes. technology is ever going to be 100% reliable. We've got backup servers and you can use IPDTL2.com if, uh, if for some reason our yeah. main site were to go down. Um, and we, we've, yeah, we've got backup paths for, for routing audio and ISDN calls and, and things and, and telephony providers. But things will always go wrong. So if you've got a completely mm-hmm. independent um, backup system, uh, like I've got two internet connections here from two different companies then um i think that's that's a a good position to be in yeah great yeah okay this is a slightly controversial one um i'm going to ask kevin this one because it's funny um john warsham (laughs) asks (laughs) aren't isdn ipdtl yeah hey john aren't isdn ipdtl and source connect all really the same thing functionally that's Um, a loaded question Uh, they are not the same thing, but they yes achieve the same uh, the same primary result, which is to be able to connect from one location to another in high quality. There are lots of uh, subtle differences, and for instance, with IPDTL, as I say, you can uh, you can connect to to different things. You can actually connect. You know, I suppose the main difference between ISDN and IPDTL is IPDTL will let you connect to ISDN. ISDN in its in its pure form won't let you connect to IPDTL. So um, uh, yeah, we've we've got a solution here which um, which is very flexible and lets you uh, do lots of different things. Whereas whereas ISDN does what it does, it and it generally does it very well, uh, but it won't do it for long. We haven't we haven't talked about the switch off the actual (laughs) switch off of of, of ISDN, have we? Well, BT, uh, this is uh, British telecom for you americans they have announced an end date for it haven't they or what have they yeah they've i mean yeah. there have been whispers um uh, and rumors for a long time um and who knows whether it will actually uh b- become true but they said 2025 which you know these years pass by quite quickly and yeah. we're on 2018 now so that's you know and that's to turn the last one off not the uh, right. you know yeah. that's not to start turning them off that's to turn off the last isdn line in 2025 right. if bt are doing that then 
then um, you imagine a, a lot of um, uh, countries are going to follow suit. Germany are actually doing it now. Germany are in the process of switching off all of their ISDN lines like now. And, and next year, I think mm-hmm. they'll all be gone. Oh, wow. Yeah, at and is, according to AT&T, um, is shutting down all the residential stuff by 2018 and all business ISDN by 2019. Wow. Um, but again, you know, we'll see. That's what they say, and we'll see if that actually happens. Yeah, that's um. what they see because I mean, <laughs> it, it, it's not it's not magic how IPDTL connects with ISDN. We we rent right. a, an awful lot of ISDN lines from yeah. AT and T, and we've got what's known as as PRI primary rate interface lines, whereas most people mm-hmm. have BRI basic rate interface lines uh, from AT and T. I mean, we've got some lines from CenturyLink as well for yeah. diversity. Mm. Um, we don't expect them to turn them off in a hurry because these yeah. aren't the, these aren't your your basic ISDN lines that people have in their home or studio. These are the kind of things that are running corporate switchboards and things. So yeah, um, exactly. So we. I mean, when they switch it off, that's it. We can't keep magically providing ISDN service when AT&T uh, switch right. it off. We, we hope, um, and we certainly have heard nothing to say at this stage, that um, those ISDN lines that, that we provide our service through are, are going to be turned off any time soon. I bet that'll save you a few dollars, though, Kevin, when they do switch it off. <laughs> <laughs> well, right, but, but it allows us to sell a service. So yeah, right. <laughs> it makes up for it, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so Zach Alleman, friend of the podcast, asks, which of these services works best for low bandwidth situations? Got to represent your rural Central America friends. So um, how do we deal with situations where uh, voice talent is in an area where their internet connection isn't ideal? If I look at if I look out of my window now, um, I see rolling fields and <laughs> sheep and uh, <laughs> agriculture, um, uh, and not a lot else. So uh, I'm talking to you now from a rural location, mm, and yeah. um, well, you tell me, uh, am I, are you hearing me clearly? Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. What is what yep. is the um, <laughs> minimum sort of internet requirement for IPDTL? Would you say, or any any VOIP system? Yeah, it's a bit of a how long is a piece of string question because mm. there are so many variables. But we, yeah. or I say one megabit per second uh, up and down is uh, is probably enough. But, oh. but that's, it's only enough mm. until um, the computer next door starts um, downloading a, a Netflix right. uh, film or, right. <laughs> uh, or running a Windows update or, or right. whatever. This is why I say there's no easy answer. But, but yeah, yeah, I mean, as a ballpark figure, let's say one meg up and down is probably going to be fine. And that's quite low these days, right? That's really, yeah. Hmm. yeah. So what do you, Tim, what do you do to optimize yeah. your system for best performance? Um, I mean, and just in general, I mean, you know, make sure I got nothing else running. I'm, I'm, on, a, yeah. I'm on a dedicated um, internet line that just runs my studio computer. Hmm. Um, so I have, so I have a, you know, I'm not running, nobody else is on my server on, or at least on, on my, on my Wi-Fi. I'm obviously, you know, I'm on just, um, time Warner or spectrum, um, cable internet that's here in, um, in Los Angeles, but I haven't really had to do much. I mean, you know, it's my, my internet connection is pretty stable, obviously right in the middle of, of, of Los Angeles. Mm. We're pretty solid here. Um, but you know, I go back to, you know, having used, you know, I was, I've used, I've used a hotspot on my phone from the middle of Nebraska on tour last summer. You know, and I I was able to connect just fine using my hotspot. So, cool. you know, but 
but I, but then I've had trouble, you know, sometimes you have trouble in the middle of LA getting online and having issues here. So, uh, you know, it is, it's a tough thing to say. Right. And make sure, like Kevin said, you know, turning off updates and, um, Yes. Backup <laughs> backup uploads and things like that. That's that's always worth backups for backups. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. I, I mean the single best thing you can do for uh, reliability is make sure you've got an Ethernet cable connected between Correct, your yes. router and your computer. Right. If you're using Wi Fi, then you're already on the back foot. So that's mm. the easiest thing uh, you can do. There's also uh, various things you can do in terms of optimizing. We've now got our IPDTL browser which um, uh, it means that you're not uh, at risk of uh, Chrome updates uh, spoiling things. Mm. That, of course, only helps. Well, it helps for, for IPDTL and probably for Source Connect now um, because, again, nice. you know, they're all, that's also susceptible to Chrome running an update and, and breaking everything. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then the other thing that you can do, and this goes for all systems, is consistency of sample rates. In, in your computer. We say right. that 48K, that's 48,000 hertz, is is now uh, a good standard uh, that you should be working with um, for all of for, for most of your project, unless they demand otherwise. So that's 48K, 16-bit. Make sure that your interface is running at that. Make sure that your software, all of your software is running at that, both for inputs and outputs. And then you haven't got your computer working overtime trying to uh, do sample rate conversions on the fly. Right. Oh, that's that's a really mm-hmm. good tip. Yeah, is that something yeah. you've come a cropper with, Tim? Um, yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah, I, I, I do everything at 48. Um, and it, depending on what program you're using, like if, if you use, you know, using Pro Tools won't let you, can you know, it, it won't let you mix sample rates. Um, so, you, you know, you have that um, ability to do that. But, you know, it's, it's and, and IPDTL automatically detects what sample rate you're at on your interface when you, when you connect. So, you know, I haven't had an issue of having mismatched sample rates in a while, but it, it can be an issue for sure. Depending yeah, you on what get software these, you're running. I mean, on top of the fact that computers converting things, you can get um, pops and clicks and random noises. Uh, if you're getting yeah, these yeah. really weird yeah. noises, a lot of the time it's a sample rate issue. <laughs> That's what I've yeah, in my exactly. experience. Yeah. Okay, yeah. well, actually, we've had a few more questions from Paul Schmidt and Stephen Humes, and we've just answered all those questions with that, that one question. So okay. that's great. <laughs> great. Um, great. All right. So that's great. Um, I think we're pretty much there. I just want to know where you guys see the next five to 10 years in terms of this technology. Presumably, after everything that we've discussed, ISDN's on its way out and mm-hmm. VOIP is going to take over. Um, do you see any other developments happening there, uh, Kevin? Uh, the big thing we're uh, looking at at the moment, I've mentioned it already, is is SIP, this uh, magic SIP, mm-hmm. uh, the protocol, which is the the kind of if there is a modern standard. Um, uh, protocol for telephony it, this is what it is it's sip and uh, remember where you heard it first uh, because uh, i um i would like to i predict and would like to see uh, a landscape where in 5 years from now uh, every telephony device has a, a sip address and you so if i want to connect from ipdtl to your telos hybrid or whatever it is uh, i can type in a sip address and that will connect to you um between two different technologies Uh, so i i see sip as the few you know people say what's going to replace isdn is it source connect is it ipdtl is is it whatever um 
I don't see how any of those solutions can replace ISDN because they're not a standard. Mm, um, right. I see SIP as being the standard that will replace ISDN ultimately. Oh, fascinating. So, Tim, what do you ha- what do you predict, or do you have any requests <laughs> in terms of what you're Man, looking I have, for? I, you know what? I in five years from now, I can't even imagine what what we're going to have in five years from now. Um, yeah, you know, because things things are moving so fast. Um, honestly, you know, I I think you know if we have some interoperability, you know, the ability to have a standard um, that we can connect all of these together is great because it's 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 so difficult to connect. And try and even have a discussion sometimes with people who who don't know anything other than than well yeah I just you know I go on Skype and we just talk through my computer um, you know it's tough but I think you know interoperability having having that standard is going to be is going to be is going to be great um, I mean, one of the things that I've seen in the last actually I had this discussion with a coach a couple of weeks ago is that I've seen a lot more people at least in LA who are choosing to go into studios and not work and not work from home for for sessions where they have to have remote connections Mm -hmm. Um, i've had a lot of people who come in here because it's it's easier to come in here or to go into any studio and rent out half an hour or an hour and let somebody else deal with the connection let the engineer do it and do what you do best which is be the talent yeah Um, and so i've seen a lot more people um in the last probably six months or so choosing to to do that instead of trying to bang their head against a wall with with this you know with their setup they have it there in their home studio that's a great point because i think simplification is is such a key thing here because whereas you and i and kevin we're all three of us are fairly technologically minded and we enjoy that kind of thing there are very many people and clients included who may just want to do a skype and just type in a a username or a phone number and just be connected you know they just literally Mm -hmm. type it in and then bam it's all done and i know it's not as can't be possibly as simple as that but that would be my dream that that's how studios connect to each other and yeah and i and i was gonna say what a great business model you've got there tim and what a great idea because you've got the entire country and all world uh, to think about here you've got your particular area of uh, the uh, la metropolitan Mm -hmm. area covered but there's a whole country and and world here and what a a great business idea for people to open up their studios to um uh, so that people can come in and use them for for connectivity and like you say then they don't have to worry about the the, um, the geekery so much yeah. exactly, and and it's and it's easy, especially in Los Angeles. Just you know, I think you can walk in you know five blocks in any direction and find a studio. Um, but it's you know it's easy. It's so some of these sessions are you know a half an hour, fifteen minutes. It takes you longer if you're trying to run it from home. It takes you longer to get it set up and try and run it than it does to walk in and and rent right. out fifteen minutes of time in a studio. You know. So if you're in a yeah. reasonable sized city anywhere in the world, there you go. There's there's a business plan for you. Go off and do it. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, Kevin Leach from Inquality and IPDTL and Tim Friedlander from Sandbox LA. Thank you both so much. Can you just finish up by telling us how you get in contact with you guys if you have any requirement for your services? IPDTL.com is our main site. There are links to uh, our various methods of support through the support link at the bottom of that page. Uh, do join our Facebook users group. And if you don't, if you can't find the answer you want there, uh, then support at IPDTL.com is our email address. Fantastic. And Tim? Awesome. Um, we're just our website, soundbox.la. And uh, you can get a hold of me, uh, Tim at soundbox.la. 
we actually just opened um, two kind of uh, branch studios a couple months ago. So we actually have have one studio in Hollywood and then two in the Valley, one in Sherman Oaks and one in Studio City, um, primarily geared towards um, towards voice talent who need who want to get out of their home studio and need a space for auditions and remote and directed um, sessions. Great. Fantastic. All right. So there you go. The business model works. Yes. Yeah. Clearly. It, that it does. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> well, yeah, you heard it here first. Well, you've, you've been up and running for a while, Tim, but yeah, close to the start. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> All right. Thank you both. That was great. Awesome. Thank you, Jamie. Thanks. My pleasure. Okay, for those of you who are concerned, I did actually oil the door so it no longer squeaks. Let me prove that. Just opened and closed the door. Um, (laughs) uh, Thank you to Kevin and Tim for that interview. That was fascinating and really, really useful, I hope, for you guys out there to learn all about the connectivity options that are available and a little bit about how we got here. Don't forget to connect with us on social media. To keep the podcast going, please become a patron. No amount is too little. The link for that is patreon.com slash voschool. Plus, you then get access to the Zoom sessions, which next week will be on Studio Connectivity. So again, thank you to Tim and Kevin, and I'll see you next time. Thanks, bye. Thank you to this week's guests, to Backstage Magazine and to Kyle Marie Colucci for social media support. A big thank you to our sponsors, J. Michael Collins Demos and IPDTL, and to you for listening. I'll see you next time.